0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We're honored that you're here and we pray that you find this message both encouraging and inspiring. I am in... Well, I'm not in a series anymore. I'm starting a brand new series. We do this series every year, and it's entitled Jesus and Money. Um, And I have basically, I I have notes on this that are just like a running tab that I just keep all year. And so every time I read something good about money, it gets added to this section of notes on my phone or pages, wherever I'm at. Um, And then I go through... And I just take things out that I shouldn't say on a Sunday morning in church. And I leave all the stuff that I should say. Um, But I do want to just kind of prepare you um, at the end of this series, which will be on December the 4th. We're going to be giving in our Live to Give offering this year. It's an offering that we do every single year at Hope Unlimited that is above our normal tithe and offering and um all we ask is that you pray what God would have you give in that. Um this is not gonna be something where I get up and like and it's like I'm sitting over here watching uh the stripe account that we have. I'm not gonna be like sitting up here and refreshing and it's like y'all need to give more than that. That's not how this is gonna work. Um but I am gonna ask that you prepare an offering that is greater than the normal amount that you give and um Yeah, give that on that day. And so ask the Lord what that needs to be. And the reason why we give you so much time to pray about this is because this is not like something that we take lightly at Hope Unlimited. Like this is a big thing that we do every year. And we want you to really ask God and really just obey whatever he tells you to say. So um, Jesus and money, are you ready? Awesome. I'm going to read two verses to you this morning. I did have like 10 in my notes, but I'm just going to read two. So, And also today, it ain't going to take me real long because we're flying to Orlando after service today. And we'll be, we'll be going on a cruise. So uh, if y'all respond well, we may end after the first point. Like, I'll just go get lunch early. Uh, where's a good buffet? That buffet that me, you, and Tom go eat at all the time. Austin's or whatever, yeah. Go hit up Austin's before all the other church people get there and be blessed. That's all I know to tell you. I'm going to read two verses this morning. The first verse I'm going to read, Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its people belong to him. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all of its people belong to him. Matthew twenty three twenty three. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law: justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, just do not neglect the more important things. Father, I thank you for your presence that you graced us with this morning. Father, I pray that you would continue your work in us, in molding us and shaping us into the family and the group of people that you would like us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Jansen, you good, dog? Everybody give it up for Jansen in the house this morning. Man of God. We have similar shoes, mine just are at home, um, and he has his own. So, just thought I'd point that out this morning. Um, Before I jump into the topic of Jesus and money, I just want to kind of lay some groundwork. Um, How many of you know, hmm, I'm just going to throw some stats out at you, and then you can just nod your head yes or no. How many of you know that money is the number one reason for divorce other than infidelity? Right? How many of you know that um, 78% of Americans can't afford a $400 emergency expense? Right? How many of you know that um, the average American spends a dollar and fifty cents for every dollar they make? Hannah said, "Oh, I didn't know that, but now I do." <laughs> right? So, I could go on with those stats for days. Literally, I have a whole list of them. I'm just going to give you those just to let it... Oh, I'll give you another one. How many of you know that 1.7% of Christians give faithfully to their church? Globally. 1.7%. So, do you mean to tell you what the first thing that communicates to me is they don't read the Bible? (laughs) Right, they don't they don't read the New Testament. They don't read about generosity, Um, and yeah, let me tell you what's even more amazing about that. We are not one of those churches. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) you are for sure not one of those churches. If 1.7 percent of the people who attended church here only gave here, um, this would not be happening right now. I can assure you. I don't know if y'all know what the cost of buildings are in Knoxville, but it ain't cheap, dog. Um and it's quite annoying. Um, but there there's also there's tons and tons of stats that you can read, and I may get into those next week or the next, but um here's some things that you really need to know about money because because of the stats that I just read, I think it would be a fair conclusion to just say most Americans have an unhealthy relationship with money. And not only Americans, most people who attend church. Like, so if there is, if 1.7% of Christians give on a regular basis, that tells me a couple things. Number one, lots of Christians are really, 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 really poor, which I don't believe. Christians make up the majority of the wealth in this nation. Didn't know if you knew that or not. Um, And then number two... What it does tell me, though, is as a whole in the larger church, 1.7% of people in the church have a healthy relationship with money. How many of you know that money is not evil in and of itself? You know, it's not evil in and of itself. It can be a tool or it can be a terrorist, right? It It can make your life great, or it can make your life horrible. And um, I just want to break some unhealthy misconceptions around money this month. And I want us to be faithful to follow the ways of Jesus and practice the way that he taught on generosity. So here are some things that you should know about money biblically. Jesus, other than the kingdom of God, talks about money more than anything else. Right? Other than the kingdom of God, he talks about money and possessions more than anything else. Just some quick stats for you. There are 500, around 500 verses in the New Testament on prayer, 500 on faith. There are over 2,000 on money or possessions. So Jesus talks about money more than he talks about prayer. He does. But we in church, we talk about prayer way more than we do money because money does something. When we start talking about money, you know that Jesus wasn't like, he wasn't just like walking through life and he was like, hmm, I'm going to think about what I need to teach today all the time, right? This is what, Jesus wasn't in his lab preparing sermons, right? Right? Jesus was walking in unity with God he was seeing where people's hearts were and then he was he was challenging them on where their hearts were that's why Jesus talked about money more than it did more than they did anything else because he was around he was doing life in a time where the political system and the The way that they thought about money was so corrupt, he had to talk about it, right? Also, I should probably mention this while I'm here. Jesus was not a capitalist, right? He also wasn't a socialist. He also wasn't a communist. He also wasn't all of those things that we try to fit Jesus into. He's not, you can't categorize him into a political party, So, like, when Jesus taught on money, he wasn't teaching on money because he was any of those things. He just has concepts about money, right? And so, like, when I'm teaching on this, don't go and say, Pastor Cole sounds like a socialist because you don't know my political leanings and you never will. I can tell you this much. I haven't watched the news since 2015, so there you go. That'll let you know where I land politically. I don't, okay? Um, So... Here's some things that you should know about money. He talks about money more than anything else other than the kingdom of God. The reason why he talks about the kingdom of God more is because there was a kingdom that was set up that was not of God, that they used money to get into positions of power. And when they used money to get in positions of power, then they would inflict suffering on the poor. Right. That's why Jesus talked about money as much as he did. 16 of Jesus' 38 parables are about money. 16 out of 38 are about money or possessions. So the question when you read the New Testament or when you read Jesus, you are going to read about money or possessions if you read him consistently, right? So like as like 16 into 38, what's that like 40 something percent? Around 42% maybe. So like what if 42% of my sermons were about money? I would be following the ways of Jesus. I would be following Jesus in the way that he taught. If I talked about money, it's 42%. Jake, that's what I'm talking about. I still got it, baby. Still Still got them percentages down. Don't call out any random numbers. I'm not doing any for you. But... 42% of the time, Jesus talks about money. So, we in the church in America, we are afraid to talk about money mainly because we really just want you to come and be entertained. And we want you to come and enjoy an event rather than actually deal with the issues of the heart. Right? And I am not that guy. I am not that guy. I see what Jesus taught on, and I think in my mind, I should probably teach that, right? And so, this is why Jesus taught on money, Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. This is a really good way of saying it. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. God doesn't want your 10%. He wants it all, right? Right? One of the things and misconceptions that we have in the church, and there's two like camps to this. Have you ever met those people It's like, tithing's not in the New Testament? Well, those two people either are, they fall in one of two camps. They don't give it all, or they give more. Right? So if you're going to use tithing is not in the New Testament as an argument not to give, well, you miss the entire point. Right? Tithing not being in the New Testament is not so that you don't give. Tithing not being in the New Testament is because Jesus raised the standard. It wasn't 10%. If you actually go and read throughout Acts, you were actually instructed to bring all of your belongings to the church. And then the church would distribute them as they saw fit. So, like, it, I mean, like, some people, they're like, yeah, well, I don't really think I should give it all. Well, like, I'll just tell people this. You can either settle for 10 or give me all of it. So, like... But giving none isn't, isn't practicing the way of Jesus, right? Do you know that, um, could you think about this for a second? So, I said earlier that 1.7% of Christians give. Could you imagine if 100% of Christians faithfully gave? Right? We could just write people checks who were poor, right? Right? We could just make sure that all of the people around us were always taken care of. That was the model of the New Testament church. That's why it wasn't. So, do do you mean to tell you what? Like, Paul goes and plants a church, and when Paul plants a church, he goes in front of a council, and the council tells him one thing: be sure that you take care of the poor. That's Paul goes and plants a church. Be sure that you take care of the poor. How was he? How were they talking about taking care of the poor? with money, with food. Do you know why in, when it talks about bringing the money to the storehouse, this will really mess with you. We don't operate like this here at this church. The reason why it was talking about bringing the money to the storehouse is because the role of the New Testament church was to care for two people, two people, the clergy of the church, meaning the staff of the church, and then the poor. And so when someone comes to Hope Unlimited, right now, can I tell you something? We have a limit in which we can give because we wouldn't stay afloat as a church if we didn't have a limit. I would love it if that limit could be completely removed. I would love it when someone asked for it if we could just give it. Right? Can I tell you this? Uh, I actually shared this with some of the people in our church and on our team. So I have told you like a goal of mine is always to operate on more than what we um spend right so or sorry give away more than what we operate on so this year actually for the 2023 budget and jamie can can confirm this so you don't think that i'm a liar in our operations budget giving is the highest thing it's the highest number so we're going to give away this year not more than we operate on but it's a step in the right direction Right? We're gonna give away more than we spend on coffee, more than we spend on equipment, more than we spend on anything. We are giving away more money to the poor than we are just doing stuff with. So like when there was I was listening to someone talk about giving one time, and they were like, well, you have your money that you do ministry with, and then you have your money that you give with. And I was like, no, giving to the poor is your ministry. So you have all of your cute toys over here that you can show off to your friends and all of that stuff. And you can have all the nice equipment. Or you can give to the poor. Right? Or you can practice the ways of Jesus, right? Um, you can write this down. As you notice, like the sermon notes that uh, I put out this, or we put out this morning, this will be the same way for the entire series. There will just be... Lots of blanks because I don't have, there will just be lines that you can take your own notes on because I don't have like <sighs> these like six or seven point sermons where you can write. I have things that I am just going to teach about money this month. It's my favorite topic to teach on so I don't want to be uh, held to a four or five points. So, um, so this is what Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. I think that your treasure, your money, reveals three things, right? It reveals your priorities, number one. It reveals your loyalties, and it reveals your affections, right? So, for instance, food is an affection of mine (laughs) because we spend a lot of money on food in our family. I am loyal to the local restaurants in Knoxville, they are a priority in my life right but also the first thing that me and my wife do every single time that we get paid we give above and beyond what we are what what the new testament says that that what tithe is pointing you to right so the tithe points you to generosity so 10% is a good starting point right? That's what I would tell people. 10% is a good starting point, but you're never supposed to stop there. And I'll show you why in a a second. Um, This is another thing that we can just make note of. It's undeniable that in churches that money has been handled poorly over the years, right? And by poorly, I mean we haven't given enough money to the poor. I don't mean that you're not budgeting correctly, I mean you're not giving to the poor, right? That, so that's where I, that's how I, you know, you go and look at churches' budgets. A lot of times, giving is just like 10%, right? Because that's, that eases their conscience and it makes them feel like, hey, we are giving and we're doing our, our normal stuff. But um, I would rather spend more money on people's bills than you equipment right? I would rather spend more money on people's bills than a new building, right? You know that we could, what we could do is that we could save every dime that comes in over the next five years, and we could have an awesome, awesome, awesome new facility. We could, or we can give to the poor and just trust God with all of that stuff, right? So what's undeniable, churches have mismanaged money, um, leaders have mismanaged money, and then they've spilled their mismanagement of money onto people. I know leaders right now who don't give to their local church, which is so strange to me. It's like, you're there to collect a check, just say it, right? Um we, we know that, that lots of people have had a horrible, horrible, horrible relationship with money in leadership positions in the church. We're just not going to be that. Listen, at Hope Unlimited, we hold everything with an open hand. Everything with an open hand. And so here is some, two questions that I want to answer for you. So what is the why and the what of giving? So why do I give? Like, give me some good reasons to give right and then and then what happens once i give so the first reason why do we give the first like just very basic reason jesus says that we should that's i, I know that's not like mind blowing or like it's really just like it's one of those things where it's just like oh this is me like actually obeying god yes Just do it because he says, right? You don't go out. like So, for instance, we try to follow everything that Jesus says as closely as we possibly can. Some people do. Some people don't. (laughs) Um, But think about this for a second. Jesus says not to murder. You don't murder, right? Jesus says not to lie about people. You may or may not lie about people. (laughs) But what Jesus says to do is he says, give to the poor, be generous. Matthew 23, 23. This is people's thing that they get caught up on. Jesus tells the Pharisees that they are giving from the wrong place. Jesus actually says here, you are careful to tithe your income. And you think that this makes up for all of the Christian walk. And that's not what this is about. Right? And then he says this yes, tithe. Yes, this is Jesus' words tithe. Do that. But don't forget the weightier manners of the law justice, mercy. Right? Don't forget those things. So the Pharisees tithed out of obligation, and they gave out of obligation. And you can't see giving as an obligation. You have to see it as an opportunity. You can't see it as an obligation. It's an opportunity. Like, you're not required to take care of the poor, but you should. (laughs) Right? We're not required to do that here, but we're going to. Right? Lots of people... Have you ever met those people that they're like, they're going to go to church, they're going to pay their tithes, and it's just, that's going to be the end of it, right? They think that solidifies their walk with God. This is what Jesus is rebuking. He is saying, you are, you are giving. Good job. But that does not mean that everything else in your life is right. And so, while I am saying, like, Hey, you should give. What I am saying is, is we give so that we can do acts of justice, so that we can show mercy to people that need mercy. You know what the most frustrating thing that I hear all the time is? Well, they got themselves into that situation. They just need to get themselves out. You ever heard that? It's like, that's an awesome concept. It really is an awesome concept in theory, right? That's great in theory, right? But our job isn't to point you to, like, you got yourself in this, you're going to get yourself out. The job of the New Testament church is to go get them out. That's the job of the church. It's not to say, we have a way that you can get yourself out. We are the way that they get themselves out. So... Tithing comes from a place of thankfulness to God. Giving comes from a place of thankfulness to God. Not a place of, well, I just got to do this. It comes from a place of being thankful, of being grateful. And you know, like one of the really, like I'll just share this with you. One of the reasons why I do not have a problem and have never had a problem with giving is because I've just never got over how much God's done for me. It's not real hard, right? That's like I have just never got over that I was a broken 17-year-old kid, and he come and met me in the midst of a, the darkest place of my life. I've just never got over that. So, like, giving isn't an issue for me, and it's not because I'm like been told you got to give, you got to give, you got to give, you got to give. No, nope. nobody ever had to tell me to give. It was the only appropriate response that I really had. Right? So I used to make $60 a week, and I would give almost half of it because I didn't have a way to say thank you enough. And like giving what I thought was most, what I needed the most, was the only way I knew how to say thank you. When you give in tithes and offerings, it's not out of obligation. It's out of a place of thanks and opportunity, right? So here's the second thing that you need to know. Jesus says that we should give. That's one of the reasons why. The second thing is is really everything that we have comes from God. Everything that we have comes from God. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's, and everything is in it is his. Everything that you have, God has lended to you. Everything that you have, God has lended to you. All the money that you make. See, a lot of people think like, hey, all the money that I make, it comes from my just grind. Right? Here's something that I heard one time. Joel Osteen actually said this. He says, God is my source. And everything else is a resource that he uses to get me what I need. Right, So like your job is a resource, but God is your source, right? Um, your, everything that you have is a resource, but God is the source of everything. He is the source of all of where your money comes from, and you have what you have because that's what he thinks you need. And he will bless you with more when he thinks that you can handle more, Right? So, um, here's something too. If God has blessed you with everything, then how you hold everything matters. If God has blessed you with everything, how you hold on to everything in your life matters. Right? So you should ask yourself this. Do you hold everything with an open or closed hand? What is off the table that God can't ask you for? Right? What is off the table that God can't ask you for? Is it an amount that you say, once you get into that area, you can't ask me for that? Is it your house? Is it your cars? Is it all the things that he's already given you? What's off the table? You have to ask yourself that question. When you realize that everything that you have comes from God, you hold everything with an open hand. Because you realize if He has taken care of me thus far, He's going to continue to do so. Whether I have these things, or whether I have this amount, or not. Me and my wife, every single year, we have... We felt like the Lord told us to do something with our money in our live to give offering year over year, and whenever He stops telling us to do that, or we feel that we need to go in a different direction, we will. But it's not like it's not like a comfortable thing, right? That's the purpose of extravagant offerings. They're not meant to be, like, <sighs> like I'm just gonna give a little extra this week, right? And I'm going to talk about extravagant offerings uh, on the day that we actually give it. But listen, when you don't give on a consistent basis, you, 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 Malachi says that you rob God. I think the New Testament would kind of point to that you rob yourself more than you rob God. And Malachi would even point to that as well. If God has everything, then how can I rob him? If he's the source of all creation, then how can I rob him? Right? You, this is what actually Maximus the Confessor says. This is how we rob God, so to speak. So Jesus says this. He says, um, the poor that you'll have with you always. This is what Maximus the Confessor says. The poor you will have with you always. And then before Jesus' ascension, he says, lo, I will be with you always. And then he says this, how you treat the least of these is how you treat me. He, Maximus the Confessor says, when you don't take your offerings to the storehouse, what you do is you prevent the church from giving to God in the face of the poor. And so that's how you rob God. And so when you think about... Um, like Malachi, when I'm saying rob God, that is an actual scripture in Malachi. Hey, how? why have you robbed God? You didn't bring the tithes and the offerings to the storehouse. And Maximus the Confessor makes the connection of Jesus said, I will be with you always. Jesus says, I am in the face of the least of these. And when we can't care from the least of these, that's how we rob God. Right? So, um... Listen, when you decide every single time, every single time money hits your account, you decide if you're going to give or not. Whether you consciously do that or unconsciously do that. Right? You decide. Can I also tell you this? Greed is habitual. And giving is habitual. Right? holding on to money that's not even yours it's God if you do that long enough you'll just keep holding on to it because you'll have to fund your life right you will like i just said i just told you a minute ago americans spend a dollar and 50 cents for every dollar they make what that means is is you're spending more than you make what that means is is you ain't got no money. you're having to borrow money from folks. You know that the um the the early church they were radically opposed to debt, radically opposed to debt. The reason why they were radically opposed to debt was number one, they wanted to care for the poor. number two when they were radically opposed to debt because it communicated that they in God had everything that they needed. So they did not need to go into debt to have the things that they did not even need. That's why they were opposed to debt. It wasn't because they heard Dave Ramsey. Old Dave wasn't there back then, dog. If you think Dave's crazy about debt, let me just hand you some Maximus the Confessor and some Saint Basil. Yeah, y'all are going to be deeply offended by those people. If you're offended by Dave, don't read the early church fathers on money because they'll hurt your feelings real bad. They'll say things like, if you see a neighbor who has less than you, that just reveals greed in your heart. And what they mean by that, when they say less than you, they mean if you buy a $70,000 car, then your neighbor should be driving one as well. That's what they mean by that. Because they said that the church was responsible for the well-being of all people. And so we can all drive a $20,000 car, right? Or if we're going to drive this $70,000 one, then your neighbor better be driving one as well. Or that shows a level of discontentment in your heart, and they said it shows a level of pride in your heart. So that's some early church fathers for you this morning, so... Listen, every time you get paid, you take a test. Are you going to be generous or not? You take that test, right? And every time you give, God also takes a test. Every time you give, God also takes a test. Will he be faithful? Will God be faithful To do what he says for those who give. Right? So what happens when I give? Right? So I told you why Jesus said, and everything else we have comes from God. Those are the two best reasons I could give you why. The what happens when you give is that you put money in its proper place. When you give, money gets put in its proper place. Meaning... You give what you are getting back to God, because that's where it belongs anyway. I, you've probably heard it like this said like this before. God doesn't want ten percent. He wants a hundred. This is what I noticed about giving. When I give, I have to look at my finances. I have to look at my finances, right? Because when I give, I need to be sure, I need to be sure that I am giving what is proportional to my income, right? And then also, I need to be sure that I'm managing what God is giving me appropriately. And if I put money in its right place, then everything matters, if I put money in its right place, if I put it back in God's hands, then every dollar matters. Because I now have acknowledged that the money that I have comes from God. And the money that I have left over is not my money, it's God's money. And so then every dollar matters. Because it's not mine. I am managing, a, I am managing money that came from God, that came from God. Just, just like, if I just give you an example. So if I go away for, just say, six months, if I leave for six months, but I say, I'm going to take Kelby, and I'm going to take Stephen, and I'm going to take Timmy. I'm going to take those three guys, and I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to send you guys $1,000 a month. And I want you to be sure that my family is taken care of while I'm away. So out of that, I want you to give them 10% or a little bit more than 10% of that money. Six months goes by. I call Anna. I'm like, hey, did you get all the money that I sent? And did Stephen, Kelby, and uh, Timmy make sure that you were taken care of? And she was like, yeah, like, Timmy lit me up. He was sending money over like every day. And Stephen, he was sending money all the time. But Kelby, I'd get some here and there. Like I would get some, you know, every few weeks or, you know, Every now and then. I'm going to stop sending him money. And I'm going to take that. And I'm going to divide it up between Stephen and Timmy. And I'm going to let them give them the money. This is the same way that God manages his resources. He blesses those who give. There are two testimonies around giving in church. People do and they don't. And the ones who do are blessed. And the ones who don't always need money. I'm just shooting you straight. Right? So we put our money in its place. We give it back to God because that's whose it is anyway. And then everything matters from that point. Last thing. Then all nations... Call us blessed. When we give, that is the promise of Malachi. Jansen, you can come come on up. It doesn't say, listen, listen. In Malachi, when we give, it does not say that when you give, then you are going to get all of this stuff. That's not what it says. If you've not heard anything, hear this the way that the nations of the world identify the people of God is blessed is not based off of a building it's not based off nice things it's not based off nice equipment it's not based off the cars that we drive or the houses we own it's not based on the windows of heaven being opened over our life that is not what it says even though that is a promise in Malachi when you do give that God will pour out his blessing on you so that you have enough so that you not only take care of yourself but others, the promise of Malachi, Malachi says this, the nations of the world call you blessed because of the amounts that you give, not what you get. So when you like so for instance if you give in the offering this morning and say you give $10,000 please do we'd love it <laughs> But say you give $10,000 and then someone in the parking lot writes you a check for $100,000 that is not a sign that you're blessed The sign that you're blessed is what you give from that 100,000. It is not that you get. Listen, we don't give to get. We give as an offering. Do you know what an offering is? It means you can't get it back. Right? One of the funniest things that I think happens on a yearly basis is at ramp conferences when kids, they give things on the altar, like shoes and cell phones and all of this as an offering to God. And then they like walk up at the end, like, hey, I put my cell phone up there. Uh, My mom's going to kill me. It's like, yeah, they are. That iPhone was $1,400. Like you just gave a $1,400 offering without consulting anyone. I love that they do it. It's just so funny because they go ask for it back. It's, a, it's an act of passion. It's an act of love towards God. It's a beautiful thing that they do it. But it's just so funny when they like go up there and they're like trying to find someone in security. It's like, hey, I need those Jordans back. <laughs> like, I don't have no more shoes to wear. <laughs> that's, why, that's why when you give, it's supposed to be decided upon in your heart before you do it. That's why when we do this extravagant offering that we do every year, we give you plenty of time to decide what you want to give. We don't want you to come in and say, we're taking up an extravagant offering today. (laughs) That's That's not it. We want you to have plenty of time to decide what you want to give in that offering.